Amen. Amen. Give the praise team a big hand, would you? They do a great job. And uh, give the Lord a big hand. Man, y'all need to clap more. It's what you need to do. Fantastic. Glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome to the Lord's house. Uh, we already had a great service at 9 o'clock, but I know this one's going to be even better because you're here, right? Cool. Good deal. Got my whole family here, just about everybody. Tyler's not with us, but uh, the whole crew's here. Give my, big, my, give, give my little family a big hand. How's that? Glad they're all here. Good deal. Good deal. Callie and Michael are here. They're going to be getting married December 28th, and I think they're going to give you a shower. You, you, y'all don't have water in Waco, so they need a shower. And so, oh boy, here we go. Hey, I'm glad you're here to hear God's Word today. I'm in a series on breaking free. We're talking about how we can break free from uh, bad habits and hang-ups that, uh, that are pulling us down. And today we're going to talk about breaking free from these bad habits and addictions that are controlling us. And we're going to start in 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read a singular verse, verse 19, but let me tell you what's happening in, in 2 Peter chapter 2. Paul, or Peter devotes the entire chapter uh, concerning false teachers. And he says, false teachers have been around since the beginning of time. They were in the Old Testament, and we even have them infiltrating into the New Testament church. And, and he gives the characteristics of these false teachers. They're, they're teaching a false doctrine. They're doing it for their own gain, their own self-glory. They're doing it for money. They're preaching freedom, but they themselves are bound in sin. And then he comes to our key verse, which is verse 19. He says, they promise freedom. These false teachers are promising freedom to the people who are listening to them teach and preach, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. And then we have this little phrase that is our key phrase for this morning's message. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Now I want you to let that sink in just for a second because it is profound in its truth. You are a slave. You are enslaved to whatever has control in your life. Wow. Now, the catch word for these false teachers and preachers was the word freedom. But they talked about a freedom which they themselves did not possess. Why? Because they themselves were slaves of sin and corruption. The devil had these people in his steely grasp. And it was he who gives them the illusion that they could deliver people into freedom. But they couldn't do it because they were slaves themselves. And as we spent all week last Sunday talking about, there is only one person who can set you free, and that is Jesus Christ. In fact, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is a person. The truth is Jesus himself. He went on to say in verse 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So Jesus is just confirming what we just read in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, which is you are a slave to whatever controls you. And today we're going to talk about those bad habits and those addictions that are controlling you 
and pulling you down. Because today, I want you to be set free in Jesus Christ. And he is the one who can set you free. So Jesus, I pray that you would take the words that are spoken in your powerful word. And as I speak them on the outside, I pray that you would speak them into our hearts. Lord, I prayed all week for these who are here today. Those who are bound by the chains of sin. Those those who are bound by whatever is controlling them. And I pray today that they would be set free in Jesus Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. I read an article this past week on addictions, and here's what the guy said. Americans seem to be hooked on the idea of having addictions. These days, almost anyone might have an addiction. If not to drugs and alcohol, then to food or cigarettes or exercise or relationships or sex or shopping or work or even video games. Habits that we once called compulsions or just just plain weaknesses are now described as addictions. In fact, in my research I found that there are over 750,000 self-help groups in America today helping over 15 million people deal with their addictions and their bad habits. You know what? I I believe every bit of it is true. And I'm not downplaying these self-help groups because we're going to talk about them in our sermon today. But you know what? Self-help groups and self-help books may give you good advice, but they can't give you the power to change your life. Only Jesus Christ can do that. So today we're going to talk about your bad habits and your addictions, and how we can break free from those. In fact, I'm going to use this phrase right here, break free, as an acronym, and we're going to take each letter of break free and share with you Bible verses on how you can literally break free. So say break free with me, one, two, three. Break free. I was going to call it busting loose, but that would have taken too long. Too many letters in busting loose. So let's talk about breaking free today from bad habits and addictions that are just messing up your life. So the B in break, it it stands for begin today. You need to begin the process today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Have you ever noticed there are more people going on a diet tomorrow than there are going on a diet today? I mean, that's just human nature. Proverbs 27 verse 1 tells us this. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And we don't. So we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. And you need to begin this process today. Quit telling yourself, one of these days, I'm going to deal with this bad habit. Stop procrastinating. It's going to be harder for you to change tomorrow than it will be today because delay always makes your problems worse. So let me ask you, what's your excuse? Why aren't you working on the problem that is defeating your life? The person who really wants to change finds the way to do it. The person who doesn't always delays until tomorrow. So let's begin the process today. Begin identifying those bad habits, those addictions that are destroying your life. And you know what? Today we're going to do something about it. 
I told the first service, this reminds me of, of what's happening over in the book of Exodus. Remember, Moses uh, went before Pharaoh and said, let God's people go. I don't know if that was Moses' voice or, yeah, Charlton Heston's voice, but let God's people go. And Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And so God brought all of these plagues on the land. Remember, the first plague was that of blood. Everything turned, all the water turned into blood. You remember what the second plague was? Nobody in first service remembered either. Y'all need to go back and study the. It was frogs. Exactly. See, I knew I needed your help today. Where'd it go? Where'd you... There we go. You're going to help me more here in a minute. It was frogs. Frogs came up from everywhere, from the Nile River, from all the ponds, all the lakes. There were frogs everywhere. Pharaoh had frogs in his palace, frogs in his bedroom, frogs in his bathroom. And he finally got sick of all these frogs, and so he called Moses and said, Moses, do something about the cotton-picking frogs. We can't take it anymore. And Moses said, okay, Pharaoh, when do you want me to pray to God and have the frogs removed? <laughs> and here it is. Pharaoh said, Tomorrow. tomorrow. There's a famous sermon that's been preached, one more night with the frogs. Huh? <laughs> Why wait till tomorrow? Why keep living with frogs? Why keep living with bad habits and addictions that are destroying your life? No, church, we need to do something about it. When? Right now. Let's begin today. R, R, refuse to blame others. Now, I had to say it that way because I needed a word that started with R, refuse to blame others. I could have said it this way. We need to assume responsibility for our own bad mistakes and habits. The problem of blaming others is as old as Adam and Eve. Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, and he took it like a man. He blamed his wife. <laughs> he said, Eve made me do this. You know, here's the truth. I'm never going to get better until I accept personal responsibility. I've got to admit that it's my problem. It's my bad habit. It's my addiction. Proverbs 19.3 says this, some people ruin themselves by their own foolishness. Can I get a testimony? How many of you have ever messed up your life just because of your own stupid mistakes? That's what he's saying there. Some people ruin themselves by their own foolishness. And then what do they do? They blame the Lord. So I've got to ask you, who are you blaming for the mess that is in your life? Who are you blaming for your addictions and your bad habits? Maybe your parents, your spouse, your husband, or your wife. Maybe you're blaming former teachers or your kids. Uh, when I was a little boy, I, my mom bought me this little patch that she sewed on my blue jeans. Remember that? It said, the devil made me do it. Maybe you're blaming the devil, or perhaps even you're blaming God. Listen, to break free, we need to assume the responsibility of our own life. When you blame somebody else, all you're doing is being lame. I mean, that's the way you spell lame, be lame. Come on. I'm trying to help you here. We're being lame. In order to break a habit... You've got to quit excusing yourself and accusing other people. And that brings us to the letter E. We begin today, we refuse to blame others, and then we do that examination. We examine our own life. I take a personal inventory. I do an internal audit. 
I'm doing a frank evaluation of my own life, and I'm asking myself some pretty difficult questions. Like, Will, what is it that is controlling your life right now? What is it that you're allowing to be the master of your mind? What is controlling your thoughts? What is controlling your heart? Will, what are your weaknesses? How long have you had this problem? And when do you give in to, to temptation? What places are you at? What are you thinking about when you say yes to these temptations? Lamentations chapter 3 verse 40 says, Let us search out and examine our own ways. And that's what I'm talking about. Let us search out and examine our own minds, our own ways, and then let us turn back to the Lord. So to change anything in my life, I've got to stop pretending, and I need to come face to face with my own imperfections because denial prevents healing from taking place. Psalm 32, verse 5. Love this verse. The psalmist said, I acknowledge my sin to you, Lord, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And after he did that, what happened? Lord, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. God says to us, all I'm waiting on you to do is to admit that you've got a problem. You have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to admit that this thing or this person is controlling your life and you want to be set free. You admit it, God says, and then I will forgive you. I will take away the guilt of your life. And here's what I've realized. Spiritually healthy people are continually doing this self-examination in their own life. I believe that spiritually healthy people are asking themselves these questions every day. Am I slipping? Am I making it? Am I walking down that straight and narrow pathway? How am I getting off course in my life? And how am I allowing the devil to tempt me? So E stands for examine my life. And once you have examined your life, you come to the next letter, which is A. We're spelling the word break, and we're at the letter A. What, what does that stand for? It stands for ask Jesus <laughs> to not only forgive you of your sins, but also to control your life. Think about this. You ask Jesus to take control of your life. Here's the cool thing. J Jesus is wanting to do that. I mean, he's waiting to help you. You need a power greater than yourself in order to change. We spent all Sunday, last Sunday, talking about this. You can't change on your own power. There are no self-help books that will give you the power to change anything in your life. That change comes when we know the truth. Because it is the truth that sets us free. And the truth is Jesus. So, why don't we go straight to the source? If Jesus is the only one who can set us free, let's go to the source, Jesus. Romans chapter 6, Paul says this, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin control you, that you should obey it in all of its lust. Don't let sin be the master of your life, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members 
of righteousness for God's sake. So you turn everything over to the Lord. You give him everything, lock, stock, and barrel. What he is saying in this verse is the solution to your addiction is that you choose the right master of your life. Now, here's the reality. Every day, every day you are controlled by something or someone. You're controlled by other people. You're controlled by other time schedules. You're controlled by drugs or alcohol or food. You're going to have to serve somebody. That would make a good song, wouldn't it? Got to serve somebody. So why not choose the right master? Now, here's the paradox of all of this. You know where freedom comes from? Freedom comes when we choose Jesus. Again, the paradox. I am giving Jesus control of my life. I am submitting my life to Jesus. I'm giving him the steering wheel of my life. And you might say, well, that's not freedom, that's bondage. No, it's bondage when you give that steering wheel to someone else or something else. That's bondage. Because none of these other things can set us free. Only Jesus can set us free. So when I give Jesus the control of my life, freedom takes place in my life. So don't let anything else control you. Allow God to control you. So we ask Jesus to control us. And then we come to the letter K. After we've given our life to Jesus and asked Jesus to control us, we just keep away from the temptation. Now, this ought to, it, it ought to make sense to us, right? Isn't this common sense? If, if I don't want to be stung by bees, I stay away from bees. <laughs> Come on. It, it, that's just using common sense. I need to avoid those situations where I'm going to be tempted. Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 14. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So you're completely clothed in Jesus Christ and you don't give the devil a foothold. You're not making any provision for your flesh to lust and to gain the things of the lust of the flesh. So don't put yourself in tempting situations. What does this look like practically? Well, something like this. If my problem is drinking, okay, if I have a problem with alcohol, then you know what? I don't need to have any alcohol in my house. <laughs> I don't need to stockpile my refrigerator with beer. I don't need to have a liquor cabinet. I don't need to go to bars where they serve it. I don't need to hang around people who are drinking it. If my problem is drinking, then you know what? I need to stay away from it. Maybe, maybe my problem is lust. You know, lust after things of the flesh. I'm lusting after pictures of nude women. If that is my problem, then you know what? I need to block those sites on my computer. There are magazines that I don't need to be picking up and reading. TV channels that I don't need to stop at. If my problem is with lust, I need, to, I need to filter everything my eyes see because once my eyes see it, it gets stuck in my head. <laughs> hey, are y'all there? 
Now, here's one. Those, those first two didn't get any of y'all. If your problem is overeating, you don't need to have a candy drawer in your kitchen. I thought it was funnier than that. My goodness. You know what? You just don't put yourself in situations where you know you're going to be tempted. Why? The key to overcoming temptations is that you need to decide in advance, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do it. Uh, Shawnee, I told Nathan first service, I can remember vaguely, I can remember the days when I was a youth pastor. It was a long time ago. I had hair, I was a lot trimmer, had a lot more energy. I didn't drink coffee, I drank Mountain Dew, but you know, you... bad memories. I'm bringing up bad, bad memories. Here's what I used to tell my kids when I was a youth pastor. Kids, the time to decide whether or not you're going to remain sexually pure is not in the backseat of a parked car at night. Come on, right? I mean, that's not the time you decide if I'm going to remain sexually pure. You know, Lord, should, are you, Lord, give me the strength. Come on, man. You, you need to plan your dates in advance and go by your plans. You're either going to go by your plans or your glands. One of them's going to win. That doesn't make sense to a lot of you old people. But anyway, again, Ephesians 4.27, don't give the devil a foothold. You know, we, we often do that. We just crack the door a little bit so the devil can get his foot in our life. Don't put yourself in those situations. It, it may mean that, that, you know what, it may mean that you have to get some new friends. Well, if, that, if that's the, get some new friends. It may mean that you need to change jobs. Well, you know what? Change jobs. It may mean that you have to move. Well, then move. The Bible says flee from temptations. You run away from them. Reminds me of Joseph in the Old Testament. Remember that, that uh, what was his name? Potiphar? Potiphar's hot little wife? I don't know if she was or not. I, I just kind of assume in my mind she was a looker, good looking. She's either a looker or a cooker, but I think she was a looker, all right? And, and the, the Bible says every day without exception, she was after him. She wanted to sleep with him. She wanted to commit adultery with him. She was literally giving herself to him. But Joseph, he had made a decision. I'm going to live for God. I'm, I'm not going to live that lifestyle. And so what did he do? He ran from her. Most of us, when we flee temptation, leave a forwarding address. But we need to keep away from it. We need to burn those bridges. We need to do the smart thing and stay away from the temptations that drag us down. That's the negative part. Stay away from these temptations. The next thing is the positive part. It is the letter F. So we've spelled the word break. Now we're going to spell the word free. The letter F says that we should focus on something better. If, if we are keeping away from the temptation, then you know what? We need to direct our attention to something that is far better. Proverbs 4.23, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Somebody say, okay, that makes sense. The Bible says that the spiritual battle for sin 
takes place right here. It begins in our mind. And if you want to change your life, it starts right here. Because whatever captures my attention is going to capture me. Whatever you concentrate on is what controls you. I mean, it's just practical sense. I told first service people, you know, I don't, I don't do diets. You know, I, I, I look like I need to do a diet right now, but I, I've been skinny all my life. When I was a kid, first grade, how much I weigh, Mama, in the first grade? 27 and a half pounds, first grade. You say there is no way a kid could weigh 27 and a half pounds in the first grade. It's on my report card, isn't it? I was a shrimp. I was just a little scrawny runt. Your perception of me has just changed, hasn't it? <laughs> Never had problems of being... I, oh, listen, when I was a kid, this is the way people are. When I was a little wimpy kid, I couldn't buy blue jeans that fit. Even the slims were too big for me. And I always wanted to wear husky pants. Never could because I was just, I was a beanpole, I was a little skinny. So anyway, I've never really had to do diets. Now, now when I think about diets, it's for healthy reasons. I, I want to be as healthy as I can be. I don't want to eat bad foods. And so I, I know how to do it. It's just hard to do it, isn't it? I, I know that to, to be at peak performance, I need to eat six meals a day. And so when, when I'm doing this thing, when I'm all in and doing it, I'm thinking about that. Okay, 10 o'clock, I need to have a protein shake. I need to eat some carrots. At high noon, I need to have a fistful of salmon and some broccoli. Oh, boy, that's going to be good. <laughs> you know, and so I'm thinking about it. All day long, I'm thinking about what the next meal is going to be and, and what I get to eat. And, and, all, and I'm just, that's all I'm thinking about. But you know what? Here's the problem. When that's all you're thinking about, all you are is hungry. Yeah, it turns into addiction, man. That, that is no way to break a habit. The key is to turn your mind and focus to something else, something that is better. So the moment you are tempted, you need to turn your mind to something else. You need to switch the channels up here. You say, well, preacher, what do you think about? How about Philippians 4.8? I think that's a pretty good way to start. Philippians 4.8. Meditate on these things. Think about these things. Process these things. Fill your mind with things that are good and deserve praise. Things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely. Things that are honorable. Those are the things that you need to be thinking about. Those are the things that you need to process in your mind. Really, this is the principle of replacement. You replace the bad with the good. That's why Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I stopped thinking about and focusing on my addiction and what's pulling me down. And instead, I focus on something that is better. That brings us to the letter R, and these have been in a natural progression. I'm going to throw you a curveball with the letter R, which stands for restore broken relationships. You might say, well, why is this important? Well, anything that is out of control in your life is hurting other people in your life. When we have addictions, we manipulate other people to fulfill those addictions, and we end up causing grief, not only to ourselves, 
but grief to the people that are closest to us. So you need to make those things right. You need to go to those people that you have hurt, and you need to restore the relationship. You take the initiative to do it. Romans 12, 18, Paul said, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, you need to live at peace with everyone. You need to be in harmony with other people, those in your family. You need to make peace with them. Now, that may take some time, and it may be hard to do, but you need to take the initiative to do it. And so my suggestion is this. This afternoon, go home and make a list of all the people that you have hurt because of your addiction and your bad habit. And you go to those people, and in humility, you say to them, I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? God has forgiven me. I've received the grace of God in my life, and now I am asking that you forgive me. Now, guys, let me tell you, this is a hard thing to do. Can I get an amen for that? It's difficult to do. It's difficult to go back and admit that my problem has caused problems in your life, that my guilt has caused you grief. But the Bible says it's your responsibility to go and make things right, to get that clear conscience. You've got to have power, God's power to do it, but you need to take the initiative to do it. And that leads us to the next letter, which is the first E. We need to enlist the help of others. If we're going to make it out of this bad habit or this addiction, we're going to need the help of others. We're going to need a support group. We're going to need reinforcements. Eh? We all need support. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one, because together, if one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls down, for he doesn't have a buddy or a sister who can reach down and help them up. Now, this just makes sense. He's really talking about the law of diminishing intent, and it goes something like this. As time passes... Our intentions fade. In the beginning, we started off with, with great power and great strength. But two weeks later, we're back into the same habit that brought us down in the first place. Why? Why is that true? Well, it's a cycle. We all know the cycle, don't we? we we've seen it in our own life. We've seen it in the lives of others. You start out in humility. God... God allows your chin to hit the last rung of life's ladder and you're down in the pit and you can't help yourself anymore. You realize you need a power greater than yourself to get beyond this addiction or this bad habit. And so you cry out to God, God, help me. You know what God does? He gives grace to the humble. <laughs> Man, I love that sermon. God gives grace to the humble. And so we humble ourselves and we ask God for the power to change and he changes us. And we are new people. We're, we're living on that faith. Man, we're doing so good. But then about six months into it, we wake up one day and say, wow, look what I've done. I've busted loose of this bad habit. I've overcome this addiction. Look at me. Look what I've done. The problem with that is Proverbs chapter 16. 
Pride comes before a fall. And when we think we've done it all on our own, guess what? We're going to fall again. And when we fall again, we're right back in that mud and mire. We're crying out to God. What is a better way of dealing with this? Well, the moment you think you got the problem licked, you're in dangerous water. So how do you break the cycle? You need support. You need friends who are there for you, friends who will pray for you. You need brothers and sisters with outstretched arms to lift you up when you fall down, to spur you on when they see you get off track. Why? Because two are better than one. Because when one falls down, his brother can lift him up. Let me give you another passage of Scripture. The New Testament says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you can be healed. Did you even know that verse was in the Bible? Now, we know we're supposed to confess our sins to God. He's the one who forgives us. But in order to get over these bad habits and addictions, God says you need to be open and honest with friends who you can count on, friends who are not going to gossip about you, friends who are going to be there for you. You confess those same sins that you've confessed to God to your friends so that you can pray for one another. You know what I'm talking about here? I'm talking about the church. That's why God has birthed the church. When we get saved, God wants us to be in a living organism, his body, the church of Jesus Christ. Why? So that we can have support. So that we can have those brothers and sisters who are reaching down and helping us up, that are keeping us on the straight path. Now, apparently y'all like to come to big church and you prefer the 1030 service, and that's awesome. I'm glad you're here. You need this. This is good for us to sing together, to worship together, to hear the word of God preached. That's good for us. But you know what? If that's all you're getting, can I just say, it ain't enough. You need more than just this. You need to be plugged into a small group, a Sunday school class, a, a, a group of people that maybe it's a quilting club. I don't know. Some, how many quilters do we have in this room? Oh, they, most were in the first service. All right. A, a small group of, of parents with little kids. My, my daughter Whitney has found that in Dallas. I mean, she, she has a lightning. She's got a precious little. Have I told you about my grandbaby? <laughs> Perfect Miss Ella Jane. You, you need to find people that, that are believers, that, that you can get plugged in with, that are, that are a small group. Why do we need that? Well, to pray for one another. To be there for one another. I, look at me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Look at me. Okay? I don't care what your problem is or what your addiction is. You're not alone. In fact, there are other people in this very room who have already dealt with or are presently dealing with the same problem you have. You know what? We need, each, we need to be connected with each other. We need to enlist the help of other people to lift us up. Then that brings me to the last E. After I've done these other eight things, I come to number nine. I extend myself to help others who are in need. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I'm reading it out of the Good News Translation. Christ helps us in all of our troubles. Amen, brother. So that we are able to help others 
who are in trouble, using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. I mean, that's the way it works, guys. God allows us to go through problems, even problems that we have caused for ourselves, brought about on ourselves. And then he helps us through those problems so that we can turn around and help other people who are going through the exact same problem. God wants to take your greatest weakness and turn it into a ministry. He wants to help you through this problem to overcome this problem, to have victory over this problem, so that you can then go and help someone else who's struggling with the exact same thing. And my prayer all week, listen, my prayer all week has been twofold. Number one, God set people free today. People who are bound by bad habits and addictions, may they find victory at the altar today. But also my prayer is this, Lord, help us to use those addictions that you've given us the power to overcome as a ministry to help somebody else. So what happens? What happens when we do these nine things? Well, we can count on God's promise. His promise is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I'm reading that out of the good news as well. God keeps his promise. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. At the time you are tempted, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with the way of escape. That's God's promise. He's always going to provide the way of escape. But, but you have to understand, you've got to be doing everything up to this point. Okay? What, what this means is this. You can't, you can't sit down after having just ordered a double banana split with extra fudge and then bow your head and say, Oh God, give me the power to say no to this temptation. It doesn't work that way. If you have a problem with lust, you can't, be, you can't continue to look at those websites. Okay? The only way you can claim this promise is by following these principles, by committing your life to Jesus Christ, by focusing on what is good and what is right, by saying no to the temptation that the devil dangles in front of your face, and by saying yes to Jesus Christ. I want you to be free today. There is nothing like freedom. Spiritual freedom. I'd, I'd love to be able to transfer that over to you. I don't consider myself a false teacher. Okay? I'm teaching the truth. But I know that I can't give you that freedom. I can just point you to the freedom. And freedom is knowing the truth. And truth has a name. It's Jesus. So I invite you to come to Jesus today. And you can break free. Jesus will bust those chains that are holding you down. And Lord, 